This time on No, Not the Mind Probe, John, I have bugs and mice all over my house. I have need to exterminate, exterminate, episode number five, Daleks. John, you're a nightmare, a mutation. You were genetically engineered. Every single emotion was removed except hate. Those are Mike's wedding vows. That's amazing. That's so sweet. Welcome to No, Not the Mind Probe, a podcast where we watch and rank every Doctor Who story ever. My name is John Granite, and I'm a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I have been watching for over 35 years. I like the no on that one, that no. no. <laughs> Scarface, no. Is it more probe. dismissive? No, not the Mind Probe. Uh, my name is Porter Mason, and John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 25 years, and I finally said yes. Each episode, we'll look at two stories. We're going through the new series in order, and our Doctor Who curator, John, will find a pairing with a classic story. John, what do we have this week? Well, this week was very hard to find a link between the two stories, uh, yes, but I eventually yes. I did discern one. I have my <laughs> theories, which I'll bring up later in the <laughs> yeah, episode. It's going to be a lot of speculation went into this, but uh, this week it's going to be Dalek uh, from, of course, the new series, which we picked because it's the next one in yeah, order. That's interesting <laughs> how you come up with that one. And then, uh, and then we have paired it with a third Doctor episode called Death to the Daleks, uh, which is sort of considered one of the archetypal uh, Dalek episodes. Now we're going to recap these episodes. Let's start with the new Who, uh, Dalek, Season 1, Episode 6 of the new series, aired April 30th, 2005. Here's a clip. I thought you were the great expert, Doctor. If you're so impressive, then why not just reason with this Dalek? It must be willing to negotiate. There must be something it needs. Everything needs something. What's the nearest town? Salt Lake City. Population? One million. All dead. If the Dalek gets out, it'll murder every living creature. That's all it needs. But why would it do that? Because it honestly believes they should die. Human beings are different, and anything different is wrong. It's the ultimate in racial cleansing. And you, Van Staten, you've let it loose! All right. Sounds... Sounds fun. Dramatic. Racial cleansing. The It's a nice commercial. The ultimate in racial cleansing. Sponsored by Trump campaign. Trump 2020. <laughs> well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, right, I didn't mean uh, to go so political. This is the part. I, yeah. We, when people say we shouldn't go political, it means everyone should just act like politics doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's the part of the episode. We're recap these. I'm going to tell you what I think happened uh, from my tiny brain's perspective, and then you'll tell me where I'm wrong. Smash cut <laughs> to the beginning of this episode. Uh, Rose and the doctor end up in an underground bunker in Utah in 2012, which I don't know whether that was mentioned specifically, but that's in the like the, the write-ups of this. Uh, so then now it's in the past for us, John, 2012. This bunker is filled with remnants of secret alien visits and artifacts. It's owned privately by an eccentric billionaire, Henry Van Staten, whose claim to fame is that he invented or runs the entire internet, was sort of their shorthand for that. And he's kind of a blustery asshat who has little regard for anything other than his obsession with learning more about extraterrestrial life. He's intrigued by the doctor. They capture them. And he's intrigued by him, and he sends him to investigate uh, one of the artifacts or 
aliens that they found that they can identify and it's a dalek and by the way i should mention maybe you knew from coming up on next week's episode clips at the time but also the title of the episode is dalek so you know when you start the episode <laughs> that's coming it wasn't a um, surprise so a dalek is a triangular metallic monster with ray gun arms that screams about destroying the doctor but it's rendered impotent at the moment and the doctor is taken aback and reveals that this is the only Dalek left as all were wiped out in the the wars, the, the time wars, as they call them later. So this is sort of new information about that era. The he's so the, the doctor is the last time Lord, and this is the last Dalek. And this makes the Dalek make sort of sad R2D2 <laughs> sounds when he finds out he's the last one. And the doctor tries to kill the Dalek, but the jerk billionaire detains him and and actually then attempts to torture the doctor. Rose and a boy toy scientist guy go see the Dalek and Rose feels sorry for him and places a hand on the Dalek's metal, which sort of activates him. He uses her DNA. They sort of talk about it a little, little unclear. The Dalek regains his powers. He breaks free and he starts rampaging around the site, killing people as he very slowly moves around and just murders people. And they sort of stand in place and are sort of amazed when the thing that has lasers on it shoots them with the lasers. They never really take good defensive positions uh, to escape the Dalek. The doctor declares they have to shut down the compound because if the Dalek gets out, there'll just be mass destruction and killing. He, the, the doctor, ends up sort of shutting off that area of the compound, trapping the Dalek in with Rose. But we find out that he, the Dalek, can't kill Rose because she is part of it now. He took part of her DNA in order to sort of reanimate. He opens up his metal triangle thing to reveal the weird globby being inside, the, the real Dalek being. Uh, the doctor opens the compound again, saying he can't kill Rose, and the Dalek rampages around uh, uh, again and goes up to kill the billionaire. Rose stops the Dalek from killing the billionaire, and then it escapes through the roof. The doctor arrives with a gun that was saved by the scientist boy toy, some alien gun, and he's going to kill the Dalek. Rose won't let him, and the doctor sort of sees the the how he's his anger is controlling him and he decides to not kill the dalek the dalek asks rose to order him to die this is the only way he can die is that he has to be ordered to and she reluctantly does the little ping pong balls on the dalek come off and they spin around and the dalek self-destructs the billionaire's willowy right-hand woman mind wipes the billionaire and takes over his company rose invites the scientist boy adam into the tardis and the doctor agrees reluctantly, but says, Rose, this is your responsibility. If, if you're going to bring in this pet, you're going to have to water and feed him. And, uh, and they, they set off from there. John, what did I miss? I think you did quite well. Um, uh, did you think I, – I kept thinking when I was watching uh, the, the assistant was like Elizabeth Berkeley from Saved by the Bell. She kind of had that, that, that yeah. curly hair. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. They were trying to do a little bit of a West Wing walk and talk at the beginning, which was sort of entertaining. Um, yeah, I think you hit most of the, most of the plot lines. Uh, this is a story set in America, which is very rare in Doctor Who. Uh, uh, pretty unusual uh, for anything to be set in the U.S. and then to have U.S. characters and things like that. Which I, yeah, they, I, they were really they were really going for it. Those Americans, uh, the accents, the whole bluster, all of it, it was all little. It felt, and, and maybe it's funny that you say that it's rare because it all just felt a little off um i didn't really love this episode and it, it just all felt a little off like they didn't they didn't it didn't feel like at home mm. um somehow 
Yeah, well, yeah, again, uh, most of, like we talked about in the past, most of the stories take place in sort of rural UK, anywhere within driving distance of London or the BBC studios. <laughs> so to suddenly have something we're trying to do this as a more broad show in, in, in the new series. Um, so setting in America was interesting. Of course, they obviously never actually went to America. You don't see anything that's right, distinctively American other than, other than people attempting to do the accents. Um, but yeah, so just set in America. That's interesting. Um, they threatened the destruction of Utah, which I think if they'd really thought about it, they would have been like, I don't think anybody would really be concerned. <laughs> um, for certain parts of Utah. Utah, literally people might not know for <laughs> for years. <laughs> Apologize to all the probers in Utah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry, folks. Um I actually, I think this is a this is one of Eccleston's, I think, strongest performances. I think it, it's he he definitely sort of you know exercises his acting chops here. Yeah. He's, he's he's intense. Uh, he's clearly going through some trauma, and and uh, I, I think I think he does very well. He kind of comes into his own here, um, which makes sense in a way because every doctor, every single one, has faced the Daleks. There is not a single doctor who has ever not had an episode that involves Daleks. And for a lot of them, you interview the actors and stuff, and they say, well, this was kind of the moment when I knew I was the Doctor. They're, they're so famous, and they're such an, an integral part of the show uh, that, um, uh, you know, that this is this was the moment um so it kind of makes sense that, that this would be big for him um it is this is this is a uh, uh, this is regarded as one of the first classics of the new series uh, um i think doctor who fans liked it a lot um bringing the daleks back was obviously a big deal and it was also considered sort of the mid-season uh russell t davies kind of said you know we're just gonna the show would launch they would sort of set the scene and then they needed some kind of mid-season boost to you know to bring people you know kind of the the something exciting to bring people in. And so bringing the Daleks back was obviously going to be very big. Um, this is actually written, written by a guy named Rob Shearman, uh, who's, who's fairly well-known playwright, um, pretty respected um, dramatist, also a big Doctor Who fan. And he had written a story for the audio adventures, a sixth Doctor story uh, called Jubilee. And uh, it, it, there are many, many elements from this story um uh, or from Jubilee that end up in this story, the lone Dalek that's a prisoner, the oh, connection okay. to the companion. So there's a lot of themes and, and Jubilee is very good. It's very funny. It's a little bit odd. Um, uh, interestingly, Jubilee uh, stars uh, Martin Jarvis, who is the lead in, in the, the six doctor story that we we'll watch next week. Um, so <laughs> funny connection there, but um, hilarious connection there. Uh, <laughs> very funny connection. <laughs> if only you knew. Um, so, uh, but no, Jubilee is actually considered sort of a classic of the of the uh, audio adventures as well. Um, but uh, but very interesting sort of analysis of what makes a Dalek a Dalek, uh, why companions are important, and and also the relationship of the Doctor to the Daleks. Um, you do mention the Time War. Uh, the Daleks. This was the revelation that the Daleks were the big enemy of the Time Lords. Yeah, we're so it, it's sort of. Like and we mentioned this before, how the season season long arc in the new series was definitely a departure, though very familiar for modern TV watchers, but a departure from classic Who. And they definitely are just, I, I would say, in the sense of being a mid season finale for someone who's doesn't have some big connection to the Daleks, it still has. I, I guess I feel in terms of like a lot more is revealed about this event that's clearly pivotal to the Doctor. In that, oh, so what happened is well. A lot more probably happened, but that the Time Lords and the Daleks were in this big war so much that they wiped each other out. Right. So we really learn a lot about that in that sense. And that um, that I, that makes sense in terms of the feeling of like a midseason thing. Yeah. Um, and the, the Daleks were always sort of the Doctor's greatest enemy. He sees them all the time. We'll talk about this in the themes later. But um, uh, 
but the idea that they were the Time Lord's greatest enemy is kind of new here, right? It yeah, does okay. make sense in a way, and, and uh, um, uh, Russell Davies uh, actually connects it to a, a fourth Doctor story that we'll watch eventually because it's one of the best ever. Um, and that's so that was the first shot in the Time War, even though it wasn't intentionally what the writers were going for at the time. But, um, you know, that basically the Time Lord sent the Doctor back to, to destroy the Daleks at the point of their creation. Um, and the Daleks took issue with that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, like that. I like your scripting. And suddenly the Daleks took issue. <laughs> uh, and so, yes, that's considered that's the beginning of it. But again, that's sort of retconned as the beginning of the time war. The Daleks wrote a strongly worded letter. Yes, a demarche, a strongly worded demarche. Um, uh, the, um, some interesting things here too. The Dalek clearly, again, again, like I was talking about with many of the other episodes at the beginning of the season, um, trying to, to take on directly some of the stereotypes, some of the, you know, sort of things people thought about Doctor Who and in particular the Daleks, you know, the idea they couldn't go upstairs, which even in the original series, they they could go upstairs. It just wasn't budget conscious to show them going upstairs. Right. They would sort of end up at the top of a set of stairs without you seeing it. Um, but basically they wanted to, you know, so much of what is shown of the Dalek killing all these people is to show these, these really are the most deadly things in the universe, the most terrifying things in the universe. And, and so trying to restore that image to them. So showing them going up the stairs, uh, people used to, of course, always make fun of the, the Dalek plunger, you know, the, the, that's on the front right, of them. Right. Um, and then making that, you know, use, that was the first time anyone had ever been killed with it. Uh, and sort of showing, okay, that can be scary. Um, the, you know, the, the, the Dalek bumps coming off and doing the self-destruct, the, the midsection rotating. Basically they were just introducing well, all these features to What the about Dalek. revealing the, inside had that been shown so that was yeah the um uh, sorry not revealing the inside but revealing the, the mutant, being actually yeah. inside the metal so we knew we knew they were um we knew they were mutants inside of them uh that there were these creatures inside uh but they had always sort of shied away from showing too much of them you always got kind of a glimpse of them um uh there's a great we'll watch one day the uh the very first episode of the docs revealed and uh they they take the mutant out of the Dalek casing at one point, And all you see is a little claw, like go under the, the, the blanket that he used to remove it. But so they always sort of cage you about, you know, on that theory that your imagination will make it more interesting and exciting than what they could actually show. Um, but yeah, now they sort of show the, the mutant in full. Um, and I think, I think they were trying to, you know, hit that theme of this is, this is actually a creature inside here. It's not a robot. That was, you know, some, again, something that people, a lot of people thought, oh, the Daleks are just these robots. Um, but fans know, of course, they're mutants inside them, which we'll, we'll talk about, I think, a little bit about their origins and the themes. But so, yeah, so trying to shatter sort of the images of the Daleks. And it, it does, the last, uh, the last time they'd appeared in the classic series was an episode called Remembrance of the Daleks in 1980, oh, it'd be 80, uh, 87, 88, something like that. Um, and uh, you did actually see it go upstairs. Uh, but a lot of, of course, that was when Doctor Who was sort of in waning. And so a lot of people hadn't seen it. Um, and so I, I do actually love the scene here where, you know, they go to the stairs and like, oh, they can't go upstairs. And I just kind of looks at them and dryly says, elevate. And then comes up and, you know, again, challenging all these preconceptions. I well, know it sounds crazy that your monster, your main monster, you have to prove that it can go upstairs, but just try. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. I thought it was funny because I, I mean, I was aware of this stereotype. Uh, in the context of the show, again, I thought they generally seemed to, to take up some sort of position sometimes where they felt defensive. And to me, I saw no reason why this very powerful being 
that they would not assume it could get up the stairs. It it felt like they were old watchers of the show. Like, it's okay here. We can go here. You know, not that living in this real world where they wouldn't have known what this is. But anyway, and they, they also, interestingly, obviously would be a first. They did use uh, CGI for it a couple mm-hmm. times um, that I didn't really. Well, obviously, the end, they used CGI for it when it exploded. But there were a couple other times when it was moving around because then it floated up in the air. And right. that made sense. There were a couple other times when it was just moving around and they use cgi or i guess with the flying as well that i don't know i it seemed unwarranted but i think they're also in this first season i'm sure kind of just trying to find their footing of like what they're excited that they have cgi available to them probably and they're just sort of trying to see how can we this is a new tool they haven't used before and how do they fit this in but i thought for the dalek it seemed funny to i just feel like want to use that as little as possible and they you know a lot of it was still practical but yeah and i mean that's that it was, it was always a, a the dalek prop has not really changed much since it was originally and again we'll talk about the same but so it was originally and created. it was you said every doctor so it was in the the 64 or, or it maybe was not 64, a, it was the second was episode the, the Daleks doctor. appeared in the second episode uh, and oh, kind wow. of made the show popular because they took off as instantly as sort of people thought they were great um well, you know once again well we'll talk this about more about the daleks but uh their voice is mm-hmm. and so many of the the doctor and it's, so it's funny because we'll, we'll probably get into the audio shows more but it the fact that they there's all these stories that exist in audio form makes so much sense because the voices of these aliens are so distinct and actually often way more interesting than the costumes or at least (laughs) on par with the costume. And yeah, I mean, the Dalek, it's so, I mean, again, knowing so little of Doctor Who, I knew sort of what they looked like, but you also know the voice, like, you know what Daleks sound like. Yeah, they're definitely, so it's definitely a pop culture thing. Um, the, um, I mean, the Dalek is now in the Oxford English Dictionary, which obviously is the sign of, of uh, you know, of greatness. The name John's been in there for many, many, many centuries. But, um, <laughs> Porter, sort of, as a job. Not as a name, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're iconic. Um, and they are, interestingly, so the, um, uh, the way that the rights were done for, uh, the writers in the early Doctor Who's, um, basically, if a writer created something, they own some of the rights to it. So the guy who wrote the very first Doctor Who, uh, very first Dalek episode of Doctor Who, Terry Nation, who again, we'll talk about it, he, um, he owns the Daleks. He partially owns wow. them. And he, like he died. And yeah. Stuff? And he died not long ago, but his family still controls them. And so every Dalek episode, they have to go and ask permission wow. and, and they have to give them money. Um, and so there was a point apparently in the early uh, of the development of the series when they weren't going to allow them to be used. Uh, and so and so Russell T. Davis had, they, I think they was going to call this episode Sphere and it was going to be this round thing that was going to be sort of. I guess it would act like a Dalek. It just wouldn't look like one. Um, and uh, and then at the last minute, they got the rights and they were able to change it. But, you know, they, you couldn't really do Doctor Who without the Daleks. They kind of go together. Um, but, yeah, so they, they had to negotiate with them just to get the – and the, this episode could have been very, very different um, if it didn't have if it didn't have the minute. But um, I think the other thing to mention, too, is that uh, you really – it's been happening all season, but you really start to see the Doctor's arc here, right? The, care, the ninth Doctor's arc. Uh, and, you know, you would make a good Dalek and Rose's effect on the Dalek and Rose's effect on the Doctor. It, it's it's very cleverly playing with that and sort of being, you know, it's showing 
the war scarred ninth doctor and and what he's like and then how rose is affecting him and how rose affects the dalek there's there's a parallel there that they're drawing um and then the doctor's arc now becomes much more clear through sort of the latter half of the season um, and they continue to be such a great and i know he's only on for one season i you know i'm not sure what'll happen with her but there's such great chemistry between them and the characters are written so well off one another, especially having seen, you know, a smattering of other companions and doctors there. If you had to rank, if I had to rank that, if we're just going to rank everything, I would rank that as very high so far. Like just their, their relationship and their chemistry is very good and believable that she pushes him in these ways and that he is growing from being with her. I mean, it's, it's all that, all, all of that is very believable, both with the writing and then with those two actors. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I think this one is his sort of tour de force performance. Cause he, you know, he comes off as frightened, which is obviously sort of something that the doctor, he's the hero. He's never frightened. Uh, and, you know, having him scared when he's locked in the room with the dog and then angry and vengeful, uh, and then sort of that very cutting line from her, you know, it's not the one pointing a gun at me when he's confronting her with right. the Dalek at the end. Um, uh, and yeah, so uh, it, it's great performance from him. It's great performance from her uh, and shows how sort of important she she is to the series. Um, uh, and again, the effect that she has on the doctor and sort of mellowing him post post time war. Um, I had a couple of questions before we move on. I how guess recognize. I mentioned what's that recognized yes, yes oh quite, yeah, you know, in the back. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll let you take a couple sips of the uh the the mind probe martini you're gonna have to re- release the recipe for the mm. mind probe martini mm. so probers can uh while they're probing you can get on and have a have a probe team it's always best to be drunk while probing i find yeah so well like i mentioned well actually in the scenes from next week from the previous episode did they show the daleks I believe they did. Yes, okay. I think they did. Well, so either at that point or just when the episode starts and you see it's Daleks, <laughs> you know, you see the name, you see yeah, Daleks yeah. is in the name. Were you nervous, excited? Because again, this whole first season is sort of like, oh my God, what are they going to do? How are they going to handle these things? And this is a huge one, obviously. Yeah, um, I, I don't think I was in particular. So first of all, and, and we'll see this with Death of Daleks as well. This continues the noble tradition of, of uh, from, from a long time of um, the Daleks being held back until the episode one cliffhanger and then revealed as if they're a surprise, even though the story is called Death of the Daleks. It's like, <laughs> oh, I wonder who's in that spaceship. It's probably going to be. And this happens many times. So I, I almost like that they revealed it in, in advance. Um, there's a surprise return later at a later point, uh, and I won't spoil it for you, but if you're, if you're very observant, you can catch it in the next week, which is a little disappointing, but anyway, um, the, um, uh, but yes, uh, uh, so, um, I was not particularly nervous because I think, and you see it here, it's a formula that's worked, right? They've, they've nailed it. They nailed it from the day one, um, amazingly. And, and the Daleks have really not significantly changed. The design changes slightly, um, obviously here they've added a few more bells and whistles in terms of, you know, how it can blow things up and, and move around because the video effects allow it to do so. But sort of the core, the voice has remained almost the same since the beginning with some, a little bit of variation, but not much. The, the plunger and the, the, you know, the weapon have pretty much remained the same. Uh, even the video effect around the weapon uh, came into effect. Uh, they started using it in the seventies, sort of the negative effect of a per on a person. Um, uh, I mean, the negative effect is that the person dies, but, you know, the, the, the video goes negative. Right, yeah. <laughs> you 
you know, the negative effect that when they're shot with a weapon, they die. That's what we call. You were negatively it. affected yeah. by being shot. <laughs> That's I watch a lot of CSI. That's the terms they use. Now, um, but no. So uh, yeah, I, I guess for me, it was just like I. So they you already nailed like it. More solid ground, like <laughs> yeah, where, like it should be know. easy. To, it should be easy to get this right. Um, the big thing was the voice. Uh, this is the voice is done by a guy named Nicholas Briggs. Uh, he's actually the executive producer of the audio adventures altogether, uh, and he was doing the Dalek voice for the audio adventures uh, for a very long time. Um, and so that's how he actually got the job with the series, uh, is oh. they said, Oh, well, you, you obviously know what to do. Uh, you use, they use a device called a ring modulator that he speaks through that he gives it that, right. He doesn't actually talk like that. Oh, it'd be amazing if he did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, it's actually B Arthur. Her voice is, you know, you can, yeah, you can bring anybody back now. Computer graphics. Uh, no. So, uh, so they, you know, it was a fan who was, who did the voice, uh, uh the other thing. And, and, uh, Again, using the same techniques. Actually, the ring modulator has been used since the beginning as well. Like they, they really made it all the same way. I so. want one. I want a ring modulator for. And now in, it's on my Christmas list. Yeah, yeah. We got the, the apparently the specific frequency and adjustment of it is a secret. So only Ooh. certain people can make Dalek voices. What uh, another? My, my other one question was. So by the end of the episode, this is said. This is the last Dalek, and they've exploded. You've already even told me just now. Every Dalek is every Doctor has interacted with the Daleks, mm-hmm. so I'm sure they're going to come back in some way. But and we literally are watching a story in the second half of this episode called "Death to the Daleks." Even though in no mm-hmm. way are they completely cow. Some guy, yeah. but I mean, the, um, have the Daleks as a race similarly been exterminated in the past? Of has there been an idea of like they're all gone now? Yes. Many times. So that the, happened before. the very first episode, they were wiped out. They were like, okay, we've defeated the monsters. Um, uh, but A, it's a time travel show, so you can go back to before they were defeated. Um, and uh, yeah, of course, you never, um, uh, of course, you never wipe out your uh, When you'll meet the master at some point soon, who's a, a renegade time lord like the doctor, but obviously a bad guy because he has a beard. Uh, and yeah. Hey, and uh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> It makes us evil. Um, but, uh, um, I mean, his character actually even is even more ridiculous. Like, he'll he'll be caught in some situation where it's clear he could never escape. And then he'll just come back three episodes later. And they'll be like, wait, weren't you caught in, like, a fireball? And he'll be like, ah, you know you can't kill me. And <laughs> like twirls his mustache <laughs> and runs off. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of one of those. It's, it's one of those things. But um, uh, they do... I, I will say in this in the new series here they do attempt to they they are actually several times <laughs> seem to be wiped out for the final one but they do leave a little bit of sliver of hope and this was again I, because of the guy Terry Nation who, who created them said you can't wipe them out right? because I have I can get money off of them as well if yeah. I use them uh, well, I so just, you can't it destroy make them either I mean yeah although well again we'll, we'll talk about the themes but yeah I mean it's 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 an interesting challenge he's the, you know. They're his arch enemy, and they're supposedly the most incredible, powerful, terrible things in the world, but he beats them every time. So they're kind <laughs> of diminished by the fact that they're constantly losing. It's like, you know, the Washington Generals or whoever plays the Harlem Globetrotters. No one's ever going to think they're great, but they're, they're our tribals, but they're always losing. Uh, that's You're talking about that's my favorite team, the Washington Generals. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I saw a couple games where they got close. They were down by like 47, and I thought they were going to turn it around there, but... No, it didn't happen. It didn't Save happen. that for our, our Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, oh, yeah, we got to record yeah. that. So I Harlem Globetrotters, uh, Quantum Leap, uh, Mr. Belvedere. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to our classic Doctor Who episode. 
This is from season 11. It's serial three of the original series, Death to the Daleks. I believe we have a little clip here, John. Let's roll that clip. I don't need to set that up. Just roll that. Well, well, well. Daleks without the power to kill. How does it feel? Keep away. Keep away. And if I don't, what will you do? Your weapons are totally useless. Affected by the same energy blackout that has stranded us. The power failure is temporary. Superior Dalek technology will overcome interference shortly. Meanwhile, you will obey our orders. You're not in a position to give any orders. No. No, we're all in this together. All equal. All powerless. All right. There's some Dalek and humans working together, which is a mm-hmm. big part of this this episode. So let me. It's almost like the clip is significant. Uh, it's a significant indicator of the story to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You slaved hours over this. Did I just want to just say I used Camtasia? Just a quick plug. John has for used Camtasia. Camtasia, which he talks about so much that I we're I'm assuming he wants to get Camtasia to sponsor us or he just has some strange obsession with camtasia you want to put it on your resume so you need to like publicly talk about it a few times that's absurd that i would talk about camtasia the camtastic application for you <laughs> is camtasia is it a lot like the movie fantasia because i'm very interested basically is there a lot of classical yeah, you music can or? you can put a lot of pink rhinos into it or elephants i don't know it's don't been like a long that. time since i've seen fantasia i don't like the stravinsky part of camtasia though i don't like that part <laughs> dinosaurs though i am pro dinosaur we'll get mm-hmm. you know what i like to say about any of these about any of these asides is but we'll get to that in another episode though we'll get to our breakdown of fantasia we, and the stravinsky aspect in another episode we have 690 episodes to go so we'll probably be running out of themes but all right all right all right the everybody. real purpose it's just to recap <laughs> death to the daleks so here's what i got the doctor and uh this is the third doctor and sarah jane hooray Woo! Yeah. Different haircut, Sarah Jane. Mm-hmm. They crash on a planet after the TARDIS runs out of energy. This darn TARDIS always run out of energy. It's a mess. Uh, the planet is full of lumbering aliens called Exelons, as well as a shining city on a hill. St. Augustine would be proud that appears to be controlling them. But also here, humans, a group of four who are on a mining mission, and they are similarly stranded due to the, a power problem on their own ship. And then... Daleks, uh, which again should not be any surprise because the if they say at the beginning death to the Daleks, but it is presented as a cliffhanger or a, a shocking moment. Huge shock. So the Daleks ship also has no power, and the Daleks they have power; they can move around, but their weapons aren't working, and they 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 cannot exterminate. Uh, they need the stuff being mined, just like the humans. They all decide to make an uneasy alliance and work together, the the Daleks and the humans, to get uh this material um perineum uh, but then the exelons uh rush in and attack them sarah jane uh is captured and she's about to be sacrificed uh to the glowing city kind of that happens they, they, a lot they, to her. Yeah. <laughs> yes they're sort of offering her sacrifice they sort of worship this glowing city these exelons the doctor steps in and stops it now he's sentenced to death now more daleks arrive and so now you have to like figure out which Daleks are which. So some have like mustaches and stuff, so you know which ones are the bad ones. But these Daleks arrive with kind of traditional guns on. It seems like right, no electricity, so they can shoot now. Oh, it's, yeah. uh, so now they can take control as they're used to, just kind of using violence. They force the humans and the Exelons into servitude to mine this perineum. 
the Doctor and Sarah are on the run now. They meet up with a rebel gang of Exelons who are including a small little cute one named Belal. He's very fun. I love I love that actor and that, that that voice he was really great they tell them that the city was actually created by the excellence in ancient times who made it and wanted to make it the most wonderful city in the world and they made it so powerful that it actually became sentient and john as we know anything that you make sentient with artificial intelligence it must become evil and destroy you and we've talked about this many times throughout our lives that is the only thing that can happen when you give a machine enough power is it will become it will become smarter and destroy you. Uh, as things become smart, they want to kill everything. That's what we know. We know this. So true. The doctor also discovers that Exelons have visited Earth. I thought this was a nice little aside. He recognized their markings from temples in Peru. So it's sort of like him saying, Belal, yeah, your story checks out. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That, that, that makes sense. Uh, Belal tells the doctor that the city could be destroyed to stop the power drain and also to free his people. So they're kind of he'd like to work together on this the doctor and bellow head into the city to destroy it and two daleks are on their heels behind them and they enter in sort of a legend of zelda like series of room by room puzzles where they go into a room there's a puzzle they solve it it's a nice little video game motif here and including one puzzle that's on the floor which is the lame <laughs> the lame cliffhanger you were talking about they the, the cliffhanger is just a picture of a design on the floor and it's and then it's a puzzle that they solve, and you it's know. like a, it's like a cliffhanger in like an HGTV show where they're just <laughs> like, oh, it's horribly decorated. Um, the Daleks have also tasked two of the humans with putting a bomb on the top of the city. The human mining party has all sorts of interpersonal tension, which I'm not going to go into great detail on. But the original leader dies, and the second in command is fairly cynical. He wants to win favor with the cap- his captors, the Daleks, but he ultimately realizes there's there's just no bargaining with them and and they're evil. The Doctor and Bell all make it all the way to the core of the city where the Doctor rigs the systems to short circuit, including some fun soldering and welding <laughs> moments for the Doctor. Very exciting. Action soldering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they escape as the city sort of creates new they call them, I think they say it in the show, antibody, like Exelons. And they're fended off by the Daleks, who were on their tail. The city explodes, and the ships can now leave. The Daleks mean to head out with all of this perineum and then destroy the planet so no one else can have it. So they'll have, they can essentially hold the the galaxy or the universe ransom because they'll have, you know, the only source of this perineum. But two of the humans have foiled them. Sarah Jane has switched out the perineum with sand somehow i i mean i they mentioned her plan but it seems unlikely that she'd be able to pull it off but they do and then the scottish miner guy he redeems himself by saving one of the dalek bombs stowing away in the dalek ship and then blowing it up as they go away so that's his he he really um uh, redeems himself uh, in the end john what did i miss um well it's not the most complicated episode so you did well <laughs> um it's a pretty pretty straightforward plot um we're in john pertway who's the third doctor his final season so his fifth season as a doctor so he'd been the longest serving doctor up to this point um and uh, it's sarah jane's first season because uh, she did cross a crossover to the to the fourth doctor um which sounds like a thing you do when you, she crossed over <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's, she made it uh but no uh, uh yeah so john purby is the doctor um 
and uh, this is uh, this is by Terry Nation, who is the Dalek creator. So this is this is he's still alive and, and writing stories about the Daleks. And um, basically, Didn't you if, come back just for those. Yeah. So he wrote he wrote a couple other stories that didn't have Daleks in it. But basically, if the production team wanted to bring back the Daleks, which they often did because they were popular and so they would be a boost in the ratings, uh, they had to ask Terry Nation first. Uh, and, and he would usually say, well, then I'll write it, uh, cause I will get the money for writing it. Um, so, also uh, just sort of mention how cool his name is. Yes, it is. He also, uh, Terry Nation is one of the creators of MacGyver, uh, the U S uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, uh, which you can learn more about on my other podcast. Uh, and Mac- subsequently then MacGruber. I mean, he inspired <laughs> yeah, MacGruber, yeah, which that's is right. That's right. Um, uh, I've been watching the uh, CBS uh, on CBS uh, All Access. CBS All Access. It's uh, your home for your quality CBS program. <laughs> <laughs> is MacGyver on there? <laughs> yes, and it's oh. wonderful. I, I mean, uh, my what about Hunter? Uh, no, but that was a good show too, right? With uh, Fred something. Um, he's a football player. Anyway, um, I'm ever <laughs> flying around in a helicopter, blowing up. Like there was ten shows on where there was some guy hanging out of a helicopter and blowing up something. Pretty yeah, cool. it's uh, MacGyver. Anyway, MacGyver is interesting. Um, he's a. Uh, but anyway, I uh, Nation wrote MacGyver. Uh, again, tune into my podcast, MacGyver, the LGBTQ <laughs> perspective on MacGyver. <laughs> um. Yeah, so this is considered one of the. It's it's kind of a classic Dalek story. It's sort of a middle of the road Dalek story. Um, it's not one of the greatest ever, but it is kind of just a, a work a workman like Dalek story. Um, uh, in in the sense that um, uh, Terry Nation he had sort of a number of tropes that he used. Uh, you know, the, the space people, there's always someone named Tarrant uh, in his story, Jill Tarrant, who's the awful, the woman who is the awful actress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's she's not good. Um, I like when Jill and Sarah Jane meet up later in the episode, they've met maybe 12 hours beforehand. They're like, Oh, Jill, Sarah, how are you? <laughs> well, it was very strange. They're the only women in the episode. <laughs> They're just trying to make a connection. Um, uh, you did not mention. I'm surprised because this, this episode is somewhat famous for the the incidental music, the the, the lilting clarinet theme <laughs> when the Daleks appear, um, which Carrie Blyton mm. is the uh, composer. It's it's a weird. They're not particularly menacing. Um, uh thing uh the um oh i actually liked the score in this yeah. that's the only note i made around do, it is it do, 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 do. that's the that was a lot of yeah that was a little goofy but i thought in general the scoring of this versus the older episodes are very all over the place with the music and i liked the score in this um yes other than that was a little silly like do me do themes but the other parts of it I thought were really great, especially for a TV show. There was just nice, I don't know, there's. Uh, nice- and they do, you know, there's, there's a 60s, or the 70s episodes into the 80s, they have some. Um, uh, uh, w. Simpson does most of the scores, um, as you'll know, uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> throughout. Uh, and, and yes, they do. They do a good job because it's one guy who has you know like an hour to score the whole thing, just basically playing it live with a clarinet in front of a uh, microphone. But. Um, yeah, it's, it's an okay episode. I, I think it, it's a fun one. It's, it's, it's very much a classic adventure serial, right? They've got sort of the quests that they have to go on and, and things blow up and arrows get shot at them and all these things happen. Um, it's disappointing. They actually discard the best plot line, right? So the, the it begins with the Daleks landing. They have no power. They can't use their weapons. It's like, oh, we're going to have to ally with you. 
Yeah, then, that was fascinating. And then ten minutes later, the Daleks have figured out how to shoot, you know, bullets. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, end of that problem. Um, which, yeah, it's like that. Uh, 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 well, it's interesting the na- the the nature of these splitting them up into the cliffhangers and making it episodic. Sort of, it it feels like they're boxed in to make these big plot reversals and switches to your point for sometimes no real reason it's like no this was actually interesting can we just keep exploring this but it's like aha no everything's now changed okay yeah and you know and and again it 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 retreads dalek stories that have happened in the past in terms of you know sort of how they behave towards people and subjugating species and and just bullying people and blah blah and it would have been really interesting to put them in a position where they're at a disadvantage but again they discard that very quickly um uh sarah jane is excellent in it i think uh bilal is the uh is the is the exile on the friendly one um and uh she's very good she he's good his name's arnold yarrow he's still alive he's 100 years old this year in fact um and uh, um uh she i i i love her performance in this because she's very this is she has oh, i'm trying to think she's only been in a couple episodes and i'm she's met aliens before but i'm not sure she's been on other planets before um but she's very you know elizabeth sladen is very good at sort of she's initially repulsed by Bilal, but then slowly just through gestures and, and sort of the way she interacts with him slowly indicates becoming comfortable with him but doesn't just suddenly become comfortable with him, right or, or she becomes right. concerned about the doctor and in his her concern about him, she forgets her sort of revulsion at this alien. And you know, there's one point where it's right after she met her, or met met Bilal, she recoils from him, then where starts to worry about the doctor, and then kind of like grabs him for support, and like she's completely forgotten, or or, or she's you know, she's overcome her her sort of initial trepidation at him, um, which is very good. It's just it's all very subtle. Um, and and is I mean, my take was again just having seen her the the few times really it's just seeing her at, at a very different part of her of her time in the role and with a totally other doctor mm-hmm. she's still good it's just sort of my thought my reaction is just she's just good at this she is yeah. just good at this role <laughs> she's good at being able to be and we talked about the difficulties of being a companion where you're sort of just there to react to things and you're always sort of supposed to be being thrown off and being amazed by things and she does it well without it seeming over the top uh, or anything like that. Yeah. And a totally different haircut. And both work. Yeah. Both haircuts um, are working. The haircuts are great. No, and she, um, I, I tried to convey the haircut in the clip, but I'm not sure it came across. But uh, <laughs> she, um, uh, and it would, it would have been a weird time. It, this was the end of Pertwee, uh, the third doctor. He was leaving. It was known he was leaving. He, he oh, kind really? of okay. didn't necessarily want to stay for a final season. So, so the companion that he was the closest with, Katie Manning, who played Joe Grant, uh, she had she had left the season before. Um, all sort of in, in the third doctor's era is all done on earth or most of it's done on earth. And there's this company of actors that play the unit people that you'll, you'll meet the brigadier and Benton and Yates and stuff. Um, and all of them had kind of left. So it was just him. Uh, and so, yeah, he was a little, uh, he didn't, he also didn't like the Daleks. Um, uh, oh, really? yeah, a lot of them did. Cause it's actually, if you think about it, it's actually very difficult 
to work with them because you don't have an actor that you're, I mean, there's, there is a guy sitting in it. Um, but the voice is coming from off, uh, off, off the stage. Well, you mentioned, uh, Eccleston doing this big performance in a room. It's like, you know, you're just a, in a room with right. some fiberglass. Yelling at a tin can. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and it was also difficult. Uh, um, so Barry Letts, who's the producer of this and some of the others used to say that they would offer directors, Dr. Who, and the directors would say, I'll do it, but I won't direct any tin cans. Um, and like one of the uh, interesting things is when they first started uh, with the Daleks, they had, you know, these people, they were usually what you, you can tell in this one, it's very clear. There were only three working props. Uh, <laughs> there's every once in a while, there's one, if there's four in the shot, all three of them are moving a lot. And the other one is standing very still because oh, they funny. didn't they only had three that work. Um, and it gets other episodes. They have ones where like they're just cardboard cutouts and you it's pretty clear that they're cardboard cutouts it's pretty bad but um uh so yeah so, so um but the directors it was difficult to work with them and one of the problems was you didn't if they tried to give direction to someone how you couldn't tell them apart and so if there are pictures of them in rehearsals uh and all the dollars have numbers taped to them so that the director can yell at who's who's who be like number one you know go forward number two go back uh and so that that was how they had to rehearse the stuff because yeah it was how did, how did you know which one they were talking to uh when they're inside these um and then they also had very entertaining stories about the, the actors it was it was generally this the sort dalek operators and the same people kind of came back to play them because there was a bit of a skill to play them uh and uh and they said you know one of the weird things was people would forget you were inside there and so they they said they would hear all sorts of salacious gossip because people would be having a private conversation next to them forgetting that they were there but uh yeah so um uh yeah i like this one but again it's, it's a very saturday morning adventure feel to it right like it's it's not it's not it's not the most complicated plot in the world but uh it's it's got that sort of adventure thing to it that that this kind of how terry nations well this is interesting so uh i i definitely actually enjoyed this story more than the modern day one well i don't know if i enjoyed the story actually but more than but i enjoyed to me weirdly the daleks in this older one were more menacing to me that I, I bought them more as oh yeah you should be scared of them whereas in the modern one i just didn't it, Maybe it was something about it being CG or there was something to it where I can't explain it, but it just didn't. It seemed like I I don't get this fear. Like I don't they're trying very hard to convey it. And the doctor is certainly saying, oh, look how scary it is. And it w went around killing people. But in this one, and I don't know if it's maybe just having groups of them, something makes different. It it felt scarier. It felt like they've, they've really just subjugated all of them. Like they really just took came in and took control. I don't know. Um, I also think it's interesting. Well, I, I'll, you know, I'll be interested to see some of the greater Dalek stories. And I think that was like the best story ever, but there were elements that were really interesting, like having them work together as we discussed that they abandoned it. But I think what I'm finding out is that it's funny. You keep referring to things like, well, it's not a very complex story. It's like, I want to see some of the complex stories that I like. Cause some of the complex stories are just too complicated and, and not, <laughs> not in a good way. Like I, you know, I don't think necessarily a story is better because there's more going on, but I'm not that there could, there could be very complex interesting stories but i actually thought even with this one they're trying to do too much where you have the daleks working with the humans but you also have the race of people with the city who they're praying to and they have it's like why why do we need all these 17 things happening and they're also getting or because there's a separate thing that there's a plague happening it's like they're just 
it's too much. Like it doesn't, it, it's too much. And maybe, or maybe it's better said it's too much. So none of it really hits that much because you don't explore any one thing. And it's just sort of, here's an offhand complicated thing that's happening in the background. It's like, uh, okay, I sure <laughs> fine. Um, yeah. but I, I, I liked, I enjoyed the episode and I liked this doctor. Uh, definitely. I'm interested to see more of him. He was, he's older. So it reminded me more of the first doctor, but, um, he, I, I, I liked him. Yeah, yeah Pervy's interesting. He, um, so he came, it was the 1969, 1970 when he started. Um, yeah, right. yeah, sounds right. Yes. Uh, and, um, uh, he was kind of interesting in the sense that he was a comedian. He was known for radio. Oh, really? he, he was, he was no, he did a thousand voices on the radio. Uh, it's a series called The Navy Lark that he was supposed to be famous for. Um, and uh, he was a comedic actor and, and he was a, a, a character actor and a voice actor. And so when he took the role, one of the things he says, well, how do you want me to play him? Uh, and, and this is, Todd says this in interviews and the producers will play him as yourself. And he said, I don't, I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> he wanted to play against type and wanted it to be very serious. It was also around the time James Bond was coming out and, um, so they want he wanted him to be very more action oriented, uh, not like James Bond in sort of the but but sort of suave and and cool and and he knows uh, he doesn't do it much in here but um Venusian Aikido so you know uh, it's, yeah. his thing, it's his karate moves uh, he um, he liked gadgets uh, um, there's a lot of different ga- he and John Pertwee himself loved to drive you know. Uh, uh, cars. He loved to race cars and and drive hovercrafts and fly helicopters. And so they tried to write that into the series for him. So yeah, he he's sort of the he was the James Bond doctor in a way, but also he he's dressed in he, all of the episodes. He wears various smoking jackets and frilly shirts, and he's kind of a they call it a, a dandy. Uh, and and so it's kind of a, it's a wonder. It's a very Doctor Who contrast, right? Just to create that character who's who's. So there wasn't Bond much action and, heroing yeah. in this one. Yeah, and he and he and he likes to do that. Um, uh, and actually, interestingly though, he had hurt his back, I think, at this season. And so oh, okay. there's actually a couple scenes where you can clearly tell it's a stunt double in a white wig. Um, who's, who's doing the? It, there's a couple interesting shots there. But anyway, um, yeah. So he's um, uh, uh, and and he is definitely the doctor where the show really took off. Um, oh, okay. Uh, he a lot of people love his era. They sort of refer to it as the the golden age. Um, other people like the early Tom Baker years, but you know, Pertwee Baker are the two biggest. Definitely. So this is right at the moment. Or the, either way, this is right at the end of him, yeah. beginning of. Yeah, and the show was you know it, it had been almost canceled his first season, um, and basically it, it survived because they just didn't have anything else to put on. So like, I don't know, just make it this season. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, I so you know lucky, and it really turned around, and they created this thing that uh, really took off. Um, and uh, you know, Doctor Who's gone through highs and lows over the years, but um, yeah, he's um, uh, he's an interesting one because uh, he he does play it very seriously, um, uh, and. You know, again, I'm not sure how many other people could pull off that pattern floor cliffhanger, <laughs> which, is, which yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> which was apparently. So the episode they were, uh, they didn't film it like the original ones. They they did film them in in various blocks, and so it wasn't like they were filming one episode at a time. Um, but apparently, when they got to the editing suite, they started putting it together, and they had to move the cliffhanger because an episode was seriously underrunning or over. I guess it was overrunning. Uh, and so they basically were like, well, we've got 25 minutes and it's got to end here. 
I just like, okay, we're just zooming on this floor. <laughs> it's a very dramatic floor cliffhanger. And it is rightly mocked uh, by, by many people. It's interesting what you say about the Daleks. Um, uh, I definitely, as a kid, found them frightening. In, they, were, they were a relentless... I, I definitely remember having nightmares as a kid about them. Um, uh, and, and definitely kids are very frightened of them. And there is a very... Um, uh, it's one of the things, you know, they've interviewed various doctors and people on set. And, and when people come on set, they said, you know, one of the things that people do is they're very in awe of the Daleks. They're just, uh, and I have to say, I went to see, there was a, in, in Cardiff, there is a, or there was called the Doctor Who Experience. It was like a thing you could go and they had props from the original series and stuff like that. Uh, and I went um, uh, one Saturday, I took the train from London and I was over there for work. And uh, a the Daleks are short; they're very small. Uh, they're much shorter than, uh, than you can see it in, in this episode, particularly. They're very short. Um, and yeah, they had a bunch of different props, and I risked being thrown out. I was like, I have to touch that. I have got to touch this thing. Uh, and yeah, I did. And I was like, I was just one piece fiberglass. But yeah, there is a weird pull about them uh, that I, I can't quite explain. It's interesting that you said I, that he's a comedian and he. Um... Because I I do feel in a good way versus some of the other doctors who <laughs> aren't as successful in my opinion, he he just sort of he doesn't uh, draw attention to the comedic lines. He just gets them out there. Like there was one in there where Sarah Jane is sort of telling, explaining, doing her companion duty of sort of trying to explain. Oh, so you mean the ships are being drained by the city? Like she's trying to explain it in very clear terms, and he he says. Yes, you seem to have a crude grasp of the general idea, <laughs> but it's not like a big line that's drawn attention to. It's just a little sardonic thing, and it's just kind of funny. And and when actually when they get through the floor puzzle, he has a nice like back and forth with Belal. That's that's funny too. But it's not again. They're not hanging a bunch of stuff on it. He just sort of says the line. So that's funny that he's a was a comedian. And this this is one of my favorite eras. I, I, I sadly um, both have passed away now. Um, but uh, Barry Letts, the producer, uh, so the, he produced all of John Pertwee's. He's the, so the Barry Letts era. And Terrence Dix is the script editor. Uh, and there should be like a management course. It's <laughs> based on these two because they, they had this wonderful they've been interviewed on the dvds and all that kind of stuff and i actually met terrence sticks uh at the doctor who 50th anniversary which we'll cover in a special episode um because of course mike still finds it amusing that i recognize the script editor from across the room but <laughs> we'll get back to that um but uh they had this great working relationship which is basically barry Letts was very serious and was like you know trying to work out the intricacies of the plot points and was like, Oh, we've got to, you know, we've got to, he was very focusing in on details and we've got to get this absolutely right. And et cetera. And Karen Sticks was very much like, we have got to get it 25 minutes on the air on Saturday. <laughs> like, right. It doesn't matter. You need uh, that combination. Though. Yeah. And the two of them working together, I think was, was quite extraordinary. And, and again, they, they are responsible for what is often seen as a, a golden age. And, and you, as you see the episodes unfold, you kind of see, yeah, Clearly, Barry really wanted this, and Terrence was like, "Okay, but now we have to do this. <laughs> it has to be done." Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great. Uh, I, I've learned a lot about how to sort of manage people and how to do things by by watching Doctor Who DVD extras. Everything <laughs> yes. that's that your book, like yeah. everything I learned, I everything I know, I learned by watching Doctor Who DVD extras. Basically, yeah, my entire man volume style. two, yep, the Terry yeah. Nation years. <laughs> Oh, I well, one more thing. I'll probably cut this out, but I just want to ask you: um, when they first arrive and they meet the human mining colony, 
I, I for some reason these these are the things that jump out at me. The humans seem fairly nonplussed to meet them. Like, oh yeah, you're here, great. Hey, we need to do this. <laughs> and I, is that intentional? Like, would they be surprised? Or I I don't know. I don't I, know. Yeah, because I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, they're obviously space travelers. They know right. there are other there are aliens around. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, and I guess there are other human colonies and stuff like that. But again, it's hard to say because. Well, the woman is terrible. Uh, she's a terrible actress. Um, interesting. She's very enough, pretty. But yeah. She's terrible. The commander uh, who gets shot with an arrow in the second episode is John Abenieri. I think it's how I say his name. Um, he was kind of. He wasn't like, you know, like super famous, like Brad Pitt famous or something, but he would have been a television actor that people would know. Right. They'd be like, oh, OK, he's he's we've seen this guy before. So it would have been surprising maybe that he was killed right at the beginning of the second episode like and he's good right he's a good actor and there's like oh 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 well now he's gone and then um and i do love the uh uh the scene where the the dying commander tells uh, the scottish guy you know you're you're too you're too in it for the glory and you're not uh you know you shouldn't be the commander let the other guy do it and then dies and then he says i couldn't hear you I, that's a very good scene i think there's, there are some nice little character moments like that yeah, yeah, no, they, they, I think they like to write those little moments that seem off to the side of these people that you'll never see again. And that's why it reminds me, I mean, it, it is in many respects, this anthology show, but it reminds me of that where they get really into the scene of these two people who we never meet again and never, never met before. Um, and in fact, they start that scene. To me, that scene was, was good, but it was surprising because they, they layered it like it felt like, oh, should I know this? Should I have already <laughs> known that this guy history. Has, has a big ego here? Because they are really telling me like, well, hey, how dare you never do that again? I, you're, you're in over your head. It's like, whoa, OK. But they're obviously setting up the later thing in the show. No, it is one. Of, I mean, it's one of the things of uh, we'll see it in the Robert Holmes stories and in, in the Fourth Doctor and stuff, but other places too. Where, um, yeah, every just once in a while there'll be two secondary characters who just really have chemistry, or there'll be uh, there's a famous scene in a story called the Rebus Operation, famous Doctor Who term, uh, where you know the, the sort of the action stops for five minutes for this guy to tell this very extraneous character that he was right about the the stars being you know home to other worlds and, and other people and stuff like that. it's this beautiful scene totally unnecessary <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the theme section the section where we talk about the themes the section where we talk about the themes Yes, John, we are adherents of the repeating themes, and we have two themes to talk about this week. One theme I really, really was in the workshop a long time to think about mm. and really had to see, like, how do these two connect together? I was doing a kind of beautiful mind thing and putting pins on boards and tying strings around, doing everything. And I think one of the themes we could kind of touch on right. is Daleks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can, yeah, can you okay. see that? Can you kind of... I, mean, I get it. Kinda, I get it. Get it yeah. You got to kind of make a few mental jumps. <laughs> it's but. there. It's there. Uh, yes, the Daleks are the Doctor, Doctor Who's sort of most famous monster, the number one uh, baddie. Um, they number did one with a bullet all the way up to the top. <laughs> the Daleks. This week we're here in the Daleks. <laughs> um, they were in the very second episode. Um, and uh, they, I've never heard the very second. Yes, I've heard the very, very second, first. Not, I've never no, heard very, the very second. very second episode. Um, they uh, they were Terry Nation is their creator. Uh, they were. 
everything the creator so the Sydney Newman is sort of credited as the creator of Doctor Who. He's the executive that came up with the idea. We talked about this a little bit in the early episode. Right. Um, that's episode one of Check No, one not the Mind Probe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, um, and one of the things Sydney Newman says is, look, I don't want to. I want to make an educational series. I want to make a series that encourages kids to get into science. I don't want any BEMs, which is short for bug-eyed monsters. Uh, and then the producer goes immediately and commissions <laughs> the Dalek story, um, and and had to make sort of an impassioned argument. No, they aren't. This is this isn't just you know bug-eyed monsters sort of wobbling out from the set and menacing they there was a story and they had a really interesting story about how the daleks were basically uh these these creatures that were uh the victims of, of radioactive mutations they'd been in a nuclear war with the thals who were there uh on the same planet and the, the mutation caused the daleks to basically revert to this form that we see in 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 the dalek episode uh and uh, and they have to build these travel machines to survive we will, we will. Uh, so that was in the 1963, 64 episode. Um, actually, we will uh, basically, he rewrote their origin story for a Tom Baker episode, uh, called Genesis of the Daleks, um, which is considered one of the greatest all time Doctor Who episodes ever, uh, which is very, very good. Um, hence being referred to as the greatest. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Terry Nation was a comedy writer. He wrote for, uh, a, a guy named, um, uh, Hancock, Hancock's half hour, I think is going to be right. He's a comedy writer. He, um, was approached to write for Dr. Who. He turned it down and said, I would never write for such children's drivel. Then <laughs> that day he was fired by Hancock and then called him running back. It said, I'll take it. I'll take the money. Wow. Uh, he came up with the Daleks. Um, he, uh, he used to say that they said, how'd you come up with a name? Uh, and he claimed originally he would claim he saw it on an encyclopedia spine, doll to lek, um, which is not true. There was no, oh, <laughs> he basically okay. said he made that up. Um, he just pulled it out of thin air. But interestingly, Dalek is Serbo Croat for far and distant thing by total coincidence. So, um, so shout out to our Serbo Croat probers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. All the probers. Uh, shout out to our Serbo Croat probers. Yeah. Um, they were an instant hit. Uh, the, um, the design of the Daleks is by, uh, it was the staff designer, this guy named Ray Cusick, uh, who, um, basically sketched this out and said, basically Terry Nation had, he didn't give much description of them in the script. And what, but one of the things he said is he, he had been to see the Georgian state dancers who, uh, Georgia is in the, the country, um, or I guess the Soviet satellite country at that point. Um, and, uh, one of the things he was struck by was watching the, they were wearing these giant, the women were wearing these giant dresses and they would kind of glide across stage and you couldn't see their feet move. And he thought that was cool. And, you know, it should, it should look like it's not a person, right? It shouldn't be a person in a rubber suit. What you said was uh, a big, well, it became a big thing for the for the monsters generally is that we don't want them to just look like people in costumes. Right. They should look exactly. distinct. And these are different alien species, so they should look really distinct. Exactly. Like so Cusa came up with this idea. Kind of walks on the bridge and with a know. couple bumps in their head. Yeah. Right. So Cusa came up with the idea that um, uh, he's like he basically said, "I'll have a it'll be a person sitting on a little stool like a little tricycle and they'll pedal around." So then he designed the shape of the Dalek around that uh, that that shape, right? He's like, oh, and so he sort of came up with a pepper pot shape um, that they are. Uh, and again, they, they appear pretty fully formed. Like you, what you see in Death of Daleks and what you see in Dalek is pretty close to what they look like when they first are appeared in, in, fact, in 19. Is there, in fact, someone in a little tricycle? Of yes. Some there's, there's oh. a little, you, well, I think they have casters on the bottom and there's a person just moving their feet. They just 
Pat Mahomes oh, okay. uh, and then they and then they control the the arms and they control the dome that turns on the top. Uh, and um, they did have to learn the lines. So the, there's someone else doing the voice off stage, but they had to the actors had to learn the lines because the Dalek would sort of move a little bit to indicate it was talking. And then the light, the domes, the light, uh, the lights on the dome would flash, and the, the operator controlled that as well. So they had to kind of flash in time with the speaking. Generally, is what they're supposed to do. It's pretty entertaining in some of the old ones when they clearly are not even close um but uh so they um yeah and they just they were an instant hit uh, uh and just it, because it was so different just, yeah i think it was very different the voice was huge uh right, um, it's very cool uh they, they're just so relentless with part of the voice they're so relentless i mean in the one we just saw again not so much in the first one but you get to see them how when they're in charge of the Exelons, they they don't just say exterminate, right? They just, when they give an order and then they, people start to question, they just go, obey, obey, <laughs> obey. And it's so, like, yeah, even basically. just as, uh, you know, even if you're not scared of them, you're like, okay, fine, fine, just stop it. Just stop <laughs> it. I'll do what you said. <laughs> yeah, it's you know persistent rep- repetition is, is my entire management style of just, just staccato streaming at people. Um, yeah, and and there was a um, uh, there was a. <clears throat> weirdly i think they were the kind of thing that kids could sort of mimic on the playground like you could stick one hand in front of the other and you could run around and right. pretend to be a dalek and i think that was part of the appeal it, it just really was lightning in a bottle and they just got completely lucky uh, but it just rocketed the show on you know this so this would have been uh they didn't appear in the very first episode of, the, of the, their story they it was a cliffhanger where you just see the plunger and everybody's like why is there a sink plunger on screen and the next episode they reveal the dalek um and uh and yeah they were just sort of an instant hit and the show just went on from there um they um uh evolved over the years they have since become or or definitely by the 70s they were a metaphor for nazis uh the the sort of focus on racial purity and uh and and that sort of thing um you know i think they were always a metaphor for nazis but they definitely became very clearly one um as 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 they went through uh, you know, sort of the history of meeting different doctors. But as I said earlier, people love Nazis. Yeah, and people, it's, that's always a winner. Um, uh, not going to bring this into current politics. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, uh, uh, and then, yeah, they, um, again, uh, one of the problems is, though, is, of course, they keep coming back and keep right. losing. And so it's just like, ah, oh, they're the most lethal, horrible, deadly things in the universe. But they lose every single time they meet the doctor. To the doctor, but maybe to others they don't. Right. Yeah, there is that. Um, but, but so that's that's what Dalek was really trying to do, which was, I, I think, you know, there were lines in past ones where like one Dalek is enough to, you know, kill everybody. Uh, and everyone was kind of like, they can't even go up the stairs. I'm not sure that's going to work. And so, yeah, I think Dalek was kind of like, all right, let's let's actually show that one Dalek could destroy, you know, hundreds of people and, and stuff like that. Um, and so they were trying to restore their menace. I think I would have liked to have actually seen the Dalek. You know, he mentioned he's going to get into a city and just destroy. I, I, I think that would have been hard to do, obviously, effects wise. But that would have been powerful to see like a Dalek just start to devastate a few city blocks, right. you know, in some way. Mormons. Yeah, just Mormons <laughs> fleeing. <laughs> That's true. They were in the middle of the desert in Utah. So it would have taken a little while, but. Yeah. Um, uh, they'll, like I said, they'll, they'll, they'll be back. Um, uh, <laughs> well, so and, you and mentioned they, they, were, the, they were there with, they have, at least, the doctor, each doctor has interacted with the Daleks at least once. Is it, 
often or ever more than once or is it generally like uh, about once per doctor it can be it depends um uh there was yeah it, it depends um most of them more than one time uh well no I, I, you know, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm calculating in my head. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, well, the fifth, sixth, and seventh doctor has shorter seasons, so they only met them once. But no, everybody meets them once at least, um, and they come back at a fairly good clip in the new series. Um, uh, but you know, interestingly, as as you'll see, that they, they can do cool things with computer graphics now, where instead of so there's a great one, uh, one of the earlier Pertwee ones, the third Doctor one called Day of the Daleks. They launched this massive Dalek invasion of the past, basically. And unfortunately, they only had three working Daleks, and <laughs> and it's very obvious they only had three, <laughs> so it doesn't. But then the new series, they could do you know hundreds of thousands of them, you know, swarming through space or something like that. So they actually were able to make them kind of intimidating. Um, but yeah, um, uh, no, they they definitely are just. It's again for the you you talk to the actors and stuff like that, and they say I wasn't really the Doctor until I met the Daleks uh and and it is it really so of the as I mentioned it was it was you know it's in the Oxford English Dictionary along with TARDIS and you know a few other words that Doctor Who's created but they are and they are you know they're in political cartoons and uh there are it's funny when you if you go and watch other British TV series every once in a while they'll make jokes or something and they'll reference Daleks along with without any other explanation right they won't just say oh they won't be in a Doctor Who context or something. And then also it's just people know what a Dalek is. Um, and that's, it's, it's, it's just part of, it's as much of Doctor Who as the TARDIS was Doctor. All right. So let's move on to our second theme. You wanted to talk about the Doctor's arc. And do you mean the Doctor's arc just in this first season or generally, or? Uh, I'm referring to the giant wooden boat that he builts and he has two doctors <laughs> oh, <wow>. each. <laughs> I'm really miss missing that? a lot of these plots. Yeah, you're talking about the complicated plots. I'm really missing that. That's been happening in the background the yeah, whole time. It is there. Um, you have well, to want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, first of all, have you uh, have you noticed how to phrase this so i don't give it away have you noticed a a mention in each episode of a recurring two-word theme no good okay two-word theme i mean the the war like the time war yeah no okay we'll come back to it it it, it will emerge but i'm curious it's um it's sort of a major linking piece of the season but it is very subtle uh, in the early episodes, so I'm always curious as to whether people picked up on it or not. Um, uh, so yes, we'll we'll come back to it. Um, okay. End of segment. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I think uh, you know, Dalek is supposed to again clarify what the theme of this season is, which is the Doctor getting over the war, right? And and the time war is clearly very traumatic. Uh, had an effect on him, um, and you see it's rose is trying to sort of well I, I, it's not like she's intentionally doing it but rose is having an effect on him a positive effect is sort of fixing him quote unquote um and um uh each episode kind of builds on you know he he tries to uh, uh he tries to save the gelf in the unquiet dead episode partly out of guilt right he's sort of like oh right, you know, I right. and then they turn out to be bad bad guys and then interestingly in this episode rose who doesn't know about the daleks 
says, okay, I guess we should help the alien, right? And she touches it, and right. that's what causes it to come back. And then the doctor's like, no, no, this is you shouldn't have done that. And but so you know, clearly, like she's she's developing sort of the the pity and the the empathy for these creatures, and, and in contrast to him, who's again still having some PTSD or the war. Yeah. Um, well, I, it's definitely it's clearly what they're going to build up to over the season. Even if you know you hadn't pointed out at the beginning, like they hit it so many times over the course of the episodes, it's clearly either building in some kind of reckoning within him or that we're, I'm kind of assuming that we're going to see some of the time more at the end of the first series, but maybe not. Ooh, I could tell you, but you can't you know, it, you can tell, tell me, you. but then we'd have to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it is, it's an interesting, it's an interesting move on the, um, on the part of the production team here, because the doctor generally didn't develop as a character. Like he was always sort of the other and, and the companions could develop a little bit. I mean, basically character development just wasn't, it It was an anthology series as we've, we've talked about before. It doesn't, there's not a ton of interlinkage between each episode. Um, again, remember there wasn't, even though people did do this sort of the like crazy people like you would mm-hmm. record it and watch it over and over again. They weren't planning on that. They were saying, Hey, someone's going to catch this on a weekend <laughs> during the day. One time <laughs> we can't develop some arc for this person. I mean, they're just, they're never going to, not, they're never going to see them again, but they're going to see them completely out of order. And there's just not much point in doing it that way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's also just how television used to be. Right. I mean, like uh, um, if you, there are there are many shows left. Today. Every show does kind of want to have four. I guess The Simpsons is the closest day, right? The Simpsons resets every episode, basically. Right? right? There's no memory of anything that's ever happened before. In fact, probably more completely than any other show does, right? I mean, they never refer to any. It's not like I guess um, you know a few recurring characters, or whatever, but rarely do they do they you know remember things that happened in the past. And and Doctor Who. They they do there are you know the monsters will recur or something like that every once in a while but even then it, it's loosely connected to what happened before um, so yeah but then uh, then now you have the new series that has to be made in sort of modern mo- you know sort of modern storytelling and uh, yeah the idea that the Doctor would develop um, is kind of a big thing and uh, and I think it, it's Dalek which really drives that home that oh this is going to be a through line of this series. Uh, and it's going to be something we haven't seen before. Um, and I don't, it was interesting, right? One of the things that uh, I've mentioned before that when the, um, original series went off the air, they started writing these novels, the new adventures, uh, and, and, uh, they're written by fans, basically elevated fan fiction. I mean, they did get published and, and, uh, and so forth, but they were written by fans. That's and, what they started as. Yeah. And, um, uh, one of the rules of writing and even in the novelizations that they did before that, but one of the rules was you can't, you can't write from the doctor's perspective. It's never in the first person of the doctor. You never see his thought, even an omniscient narrator, you never see his thoughts, uh, and he was always sort of the other and out there. And, uh, I think was one of the, one of the Andrew Cartmel, I think who, who was the script for the seventh doctor, they referred to him as like, he's, he's like a mountain range seen at the distance through the, through the clouds. <laughs> um, you know, it's sort of vaguely there, um, but always, always apart and, and sort of the other. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, so to sort of have, he's going to have a character, he's going to have a bit of a flaw, you know, some flaws here. Um, and he's going to develop and change, uh, was, was definitely new. Um, and interesting, I, I didn't, I, I'm sure some people probably objected to it. I didn't really have an, an issue with it. Um, I, I think it actually makes him a more interesting and well-rounded character. Um, 
but again, it sort of comes out here, and then there'll be a later episode where they really hit the theme. Uh, it seemed very hard, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it, it might just be well trained for modern modern TV tropes, but it's definitely more compelling to me. Also, we happen to be watching this one in order, but I guess the older ones wouldn't necessarily, in the same way, benefit from watching in order quite in the same way. I mean, again, there's things that somewhat develop in, in them, I'm sure, but. Yeah, it's it. You're compelled to want to know what happens next, or you know, he's obviously headed somewhere. You, you know, in in my case, I also happen to know that which you didn't know at the time. I mean, I guess you knew because the the series was doing pretty well. Like I happen to know that he moves on, and there's several other new series doctors, and all sorts of other things happen. So, I, uh, you know, part of the arc and the through line is also interesting to me to see like how is this going to lead to other doctors how is this going to you know all these things yeah and it's interesting we'll get to it next week uh it's a, it's a tantalizing preview for a program mm. uh but the sixth doctor was supposed to be uh was supposed to go through an arc and it didn't quite work out as well <laughs> um and uh but yes we'll get to that uh well but john so, that's almost uh, as good of a teaser as hey look <laughs> at the floor <laughs> john there are over 295 Doctor Who stories. I don't know why I just keep using the vague over. We could probably know exactly how many they are. Who can tell? But we've ranked eight of them. So let's get started with these. Uh, I can go first if you like. Please do. Please do. I uh, did not care for Dalek (laughs) uh, for any number of reasons. Again, what I'm finding interesting with all these episodes is that I'm kind of thinking about them as the whole show and we're ranking them because this is this silly thing we're doing. There's always elements within the show I like within it. I'm sorry, within an individual episode that I like, but uh, which this did have. But I just really didn't care for I I didn't like all the extraneous characters, which I think is a big thing for me. I didn't like the billionaire and all the people around him. So I was kind of annoyed that the guy, uh, Adam, is now going to come along with them because I was like, oh, this guy, I didn't even like this guy. Who we didn't even, we did not even mention him <laughs> in the discussion. I mentioned him to recap story, just right. to say, like, hey, he came with them. I, I <laughs> yeah, guess that's pretty boring. did not uh, even say his well, name. Well, we'll talk about him more next week, obviously. We will. But, yeah. Maybe. Um, Maybe. So, <laughs> well, spoilers. He's in the, I mean, he's in the show, <laughs> they say. But the, uh, or next episode, because we're not ever going to commit to doing these once a week, even no. though we are. There's but, uh, no commitment here. So I just, I, I just, the show didn't grab me, and I, and I felt like, though I did know Daleks, uh, I didn't feel like this was a great representation of them. The plot revealings about the Time War and and uh, Eccleston's performance, I thought were great, but I just there wasn't a whole lot else for me there. Death to the Daleks. To the Daleks, death to the Daleks. <laughs> that's the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn version. That's like a, <laughs> that's a toast I often give. Everyone, to the Daleks, for all that we have. So I, I enjoyed, this was one of my favorites. Uh, I guess this was my favorite of the older episodes yet that we've watched so far. Uh, not, again, maybe not the, the, the best thing ever, but like the doctor, I kind of like the plot lines. I like some of the B characters. I thought the human, um, we talked about the human drama of the four minor groups. Pretty good. I, so I just sort of liked it overall as a piece. So I have that, uh, just above unearthly child and Dalek. I have bringing up the rear. Um, you know, at least now we have something ranked on my list, uh, behind curse of Fenric, which would make sense because it's like everyone's favorite episode ever. I'm also going to have to revisit some of these. I was actually thinking about, I might, um, I'm thinking about, I might end up moving Unquiet Dead up to my current, up, up above Aliens in London. 
because I really liked it. More and more I think about it, I really like that one. Wow. People will be on tenterhooks waiting to decide if that happens or not. Um, I'm enjoying in particular how we have both decided to put quotes around the titles, even though it's totally <laughs> unnecessary <laughs> and also yeah. not actually correct. Um, my uh, yeah, so um, I put um, I put Dalek uh, at number three uh, behind the Ark in space. Um, uh, I think um, I think this has been really interesting because I think uh, you obviously you're seeing these fresh. You, you haven't seen these before. You haven't seen a lot of Doctor in the past, and so yeah, it, it brought home to me just how much baggage <laughs> like I brought to Dalek. Right, right. Um, and and you know and then and then I think it, it works for me because it so successfully uh, reinvented the char- the reinvented the monsters uh, and you know established them as a menace again. Uh, I think it you know it exceeded expectations. I think it was possibly also I I did like the the audio that it's based on Jubilee, and so there may be some residual of that because it is that one has a lot more time and, and explores a lot more of the character, in particular the companion relationship to the Dalek, which is really interesting. So I, I probably had a lot more. Again, it's the larger context or how much more is in my head around it that that makes it uh, why I ranks it so high. Um, and then Death of Daleks, um, uh, I put uh, at number eight uh, pa- behind Aliens of London World War Three. Um, doesn't quite do it. To, Death of Daleks is just it's just fun. It's just a Saturday afternoon adventure episode, and uh, you know I think it'll it'll somewhere it'll probably end up lingering around the middle um, as as we go through these. Um, it's a great episode. I I don't put it sort of. It's right now towards the bottom, just because that's where we are with what we've looked at so far. Um, well, it's interesting, but it's just one. Have, it's one I come back to a lot. It's interesting is that what's happening so far is you have all the uh, 2005 series clustered kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. and uh but but i have them clustered too just more at the top but it's funny that we're we're kind of all seeing them they're all very similar now remember ultimately this list is 600 long <laughs> or whatever it is so um you know maybe that will maybe that will make sense maybe many tom baker episodes will be clustered together stuff like that because all the other ones that we're ranking are completely different series at completely different times but i just think it's funny that we're all putting them together and it's also funny to me that currently our rankings are mirror opposites of one another <laughs> basically in many ways <laughs> well, yeah look, here's here's an exciting thing mm. i can actually uh, confirm this i can uh, go live with this on air right now mm. there are some people listening live is that what i understand i think that's happening some probers will hack into our computers <laughs> and listen to this live we actually do have the rankings live on the website Ooh, so if you go to mindprobe.show slash rankings uh, you'll see the current the current lists, and we'll try to update those after uh, before the episodes are posted each week. And uh, and uh, if if you have a list, or, or if you want to reach out to us with any uh, comments, you can go to mindprobe.show. You can see the notes from the previous episode. Um, you can send us a note. Uh, you could reach out to me on Twitter. It's at Porter Mason. We'd love to hear from you again. Please reference that you are a prober and that you want to talk about probing. And I will uh, definitely, definitely jump right on that reply. Um, John, what do we have in store for our next episode? Well, next episode, uh, we are going to uh, continue our trend of going in chronological order for the new series. We will have the long game. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, Everyone <laughs> thinks you're going to zig, and yeah. then you do. You zig. Yeah, exactly. It is. It is. Yeah. Me, uh, the betting. The betting uh, odds on this are are, are not great. Uh, so yes, the long game, uh, Russell T Davies' uh, adventure, uh, and then uh, in the sort of same media satire vein, we are going to go to the sixth Doctor. 
uh, and Vengeance on Varos, uh, which is a very interesting adventure that we'll be, we'll be watching next week. I'm excited. Or next, next episode. Who next knows episode. when it will be? Yeah. <laughs> also, people could be watching this in the future, and they might they might be binging this. So yes. they might be like really going through these one after another. I mean, because if if they've got twelve hours to spare, they can get through three episodes. <laughs> John, if you can't kill, then what are you good for? What's the point of you? You're nothing. What are you doing here? What the hell are you here for? What are you? What are, what are you here for, John? Why did you? All right. I hear the message loud and clear. I'll kill. I'll start killing. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, well, back. I'm back in. I'm in. I was out, oh, but I'm back. <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> I feel like I really made a change here. People having a fight outside. Can you hear that? Good. <laughs> Should I go outside and go, hey, we're trying to do a Doctor Who podcast in here. <laughs> <laughs> Like, do you mean no, not the mind probe? I'm like, yes. If we we're, like, get, oh, get... we're probers. <laughs> we were actually just arguing over the last episode. <laughs>